a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Mana. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mana, a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you will meet on this podcast would consider themselves to be extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living, which is exactly what makes them extra to me. And I'm very excited for you to meet them. Now, it's been said that religion and art spring from the same root and are close kin. That's a total quote that I'm not attributing because I forgot who said it, but that's that's been said. Uh, and if that is in if that if that is the case, uh, then today's guest is actually a triple threat. So if you think of that quote, religion, art, and kin. So number one, he's a man of deep, deep religion, uh, which you'll you'll hear uh, you'll literally hear more of here uh, as this show. Uh, uh, unfolds here, um, and that's why you're meeting him today. Uh, number two, he's a gifted artist and an art director who has given form and vision to myriad commercial and community endeavors, uh, designing everything from jewelry to apparel to esports uh, logos and to, to school logos and new school identities. He's just an incredibly gifted artist um, uh, that is just a uh, uh, blessing has blessed me in, 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 in more vocational ways. And then third, uh, he is uh, kin, uh, with a capital K, coming from a very large family rooted in both shared love and actually shared, uh, shared work, which we'll get into today as well. Uh, so he's got all of the bases covered. Uh, but in addition to his creative output, he's also uh, a deeply reflective and creating person. Okay, so not just a creative, but a creating person, evidenced by his many years connecting with both his interior self uh, and, and, uh, and, 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 with, um, uh, and with others uh, in matters of faith, but also fun. I mean, the, the, in fact, when I first met you, uh, it was on an airplane and we were en route to a big conference in which I'm pretty sure your primary role was was a skit, and you produced these wonderfully uh, elaborate skits uh, for for teens, uh, which would have contended for Saturday Night Live consideration. So anyway, he's someone who takes his faith and his craft very seriously, and I can't wait to see what we're going to talk about and what we're going to create today. So please welcome today's Man Up Man, Mr. George Rashavi. Hey, George. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, it was a nice introduction. I guess the audience, uh, after the end, will be able to decide for themselves whether it was true or not. But. <laughs> very, very, very true. Well, I, I'm, as I said, I'm just so, so glad that you're that you're here, and I can't wait to see where this conversation is going to unfold. And so, um, where I wanted to start, though, um, and I alluded to it in in your intro, um, and I won't read this whole Bible verse, but you know, when I think of you, George, and you know we've had we've been very blessed on Manor to have uh, guests with ranges of talents. We've had we've had pastors, and we've had motivational speakers, and we've had you know just you know marketing guys and sales guys. But you know you are truly an artist, and you know when I think of of you, I think of um, and just for everybody listening, you all know that I don't know Bible verses off the top of my head. So I had to Google this, but it's the one about the talents. It's the one about, so at first Corinthians 12, there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different ways of working, but the same God. 
So this is the one where, you know, to one, there's given, you know, the, the, um, through the spirit, the, the message of wisdom to another, the message of knowledge, blah, 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 blah. So anyway, you have this gift, you have many gifts, but when you think of, of, of specifically your gift of creativity and, and being able to, you know, take an idea and in, in, in one of your cases, express it through design, through art, how early in life did that, did that kind of manifest? Like, were you one of those kids that were doodling, you know, uh, in grade school and you were like, Hey, my doodles are way better than, than others. Yeah. I think that's, that's the case. It, you know, we had, uh, I went to a Catholic school through eighth grade and art was a big part of that. I think we had art classes every day or every other day. And you can kind of tell, you know, that the stuff you're doing is either on par, or maybe a little better than somebody <laughs> else's. Um, and I enjoyed doing it. Um, and I, I remember there was one night, you know, you know, you, you go through your, your grade school life and you're, you know, doing these line drawings and things. And I remember one night we were sitting in our living room and we're watching TV and I had a sketchbook out and I was doing this little face character. And I started shading it. And it was the first time in my life I had actually created something that had depth to it. And it's like, I didn't even know I could do that. <laughs> and it just <laughs> happened, you know. And then it was just from there on, I just kept working at it and practicing at it. But, uh, you know, when you were talking about the gifts, you, you get people that will come up to you and say, you know, I don't know how you do it. I can't even draw a stick person. I bet you I've heard that a thousand I'm times sure, in my life. Yeah. You know, I can turn around and say, you can do stuff that I couldn't even dream about doing, yeah. you know, and it's, you're right. It's, it's a gift. It's a gift from God. And we have, we have to be able to use that gift. Um, but you know, the, the gift of being an artist is no greater than the gift that somebody else has that I can't do. So, yeah. Yeah. When did you, and I'm sure it probably wasn't unless you were in a completely self-enlightened, you know, eighth grader or eight, eight year old, uh, although you said you were a Catholic school, so maybe it was kind of in the air, but when do you, was there a time when, when you did, you know, like you just said, it's a gift from God. Was there a time when you, when you did kind of attribute like, okay, I, I do have this talent and you're very gracious to say, you know, everyone's got talents, which they do. But when did you start connecting that? to something that it wasn't just dumb luck that you were able to kind of, Hey, wait a minute, I can do dimension here. <laughs> you know, when did you, did that come later or was that when it's you were younger? Def, definitely later. Um, I think I just kind of took it for granted that, you know, Hey, this is, this is me doing this. You know, it's, you know, I didn't really grasp the fact that, you know, God's given me an ability and really I look at it as my ability is, is to see things and recognize what looks good and what doesn't look good. It's not my talent. Mm -hmm. Some people can, there's plenty of people with way more, more talent than me that, that I look up to in the art world, but some people just can't, you can show them two drawings and one of them, you know, to you is obviously so much better than the other. And some people can't see that. Mm. And to me, it was one thing that I thought I, I, I could always tell what looked good and what couldn't. You know, it's kind of like um, I'm not, you know, you can say I'm creative, but, you know, to me, if I'm going to measure myself, 
the people that are really creative, the geniuses, you know, like a Michelangelo or somebody like a Picasso, they're doing stuff that nobody before them had, has ever done. Mm-hmm. Everything I do is I'll have this vision in my head of what I want to do, but then I'll look to other resources and say, you know, how do other people do this? I like what this person did. I like what this person did. Can I combine certain aspects of those things and put something together and put my own spin on it? Mm-hmm. But it's never really, you'll, you'll hear the, the term in the art world that there's no such thing as new design. Everything is taken from something that came before. Mm-hmm. But the great people just completely, you know, like a Monet that goes into impressionism, you know, it just starts their own, yeah. their own way of art, you know, that other people will follow. Those are the geniuses of, yeah. of art. I'm just kind of a follower. Really. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, humble, but, but what I would say is, is, and I think that's a, that's a great, that's a great humble assessment, but I would also say that your ability to, um, you know, take all of these different bits of inspiration, and we're just talking about right now the the, the visual arts. Okay, we haven't, we won't even have time to get into all of the the creative arts, the expressive arts. Like I mentioned about the skits and things, I th- I feel like as an artist, you are uniquely um, gifted at taking all of those things. And this is going to sound like a cliche here, but actually taking all those things and making a connection to to others. Okay, so even if it's even if it's a squarely commercial endeavor where the other might be somebody reading a catalog. Okay. You know, to be able to take, you know, imagery and, and, and connect, you know, because art, and this is, I'm way out of my league and saying something like this, but I feel like art that doesn't connect to anything or anybody isn't like, it's like, what's the point? You know what I mean? And so I feel like you have, and you talk about this gift of discernment, you know, in looking at something and go, okay, that's the better version of that. I think that act is that to me that conveys this sort of like there's utility in that. It's like the reason that you're able to discern is because you're, you're able to know that okay, that's going to work better. You know, that's actually yep. going to get the message across. It's going to make an impression. You know. Yep. So I yeah, feel like that, that is kinda... that definitely definitely makes sense. How else? When you you mentioned growing up and, and going to Catholic schools, was 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 what 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 else? How else did did George Rashavi grow up? Was it a very uh, was it a very kind of church influenced upbringing? I'm the youngest of six kids. The next oldest kid from me, my brother Charlie, was four years older than me. My oldest brother was 17 years older than me. Wow! So I was one year old. He was went off to college, so he was almost more like an uncle. Um, but my my parents were very devout Catholics. My uh, my dad was a quiet guy, um, a pretty serious guy, but, you know, very devout. He was a, a World War II veteran. And the amazing thing that I found about him and and so many people of his generation is, is they didn't let the stuff they went through affect how they parented or how they treated other people, which I think is amazing because mm. he, he would grudgingly tell you stories about what had happened to him in the war, and some of them were pretty horrific. He saw close friends get killed right in front of him. But you never saw that affect the way he treated anybody. He was, and, and he would say later on, 
that he would still wake up in a cold sweat at night when he was 70, 80 years wow. old. I can't even imagine experiencing something like that yeah. and to not let that affect the people around me. So I, you know, really admired him for that. Um, you know, we definitely went to church every Sunday. You know, we'd, uh, we'd go to, uh, you know, benedictions and stations of the cross and things like that. And, uh, up until I was probably early teenager, you know, my mom would would uh, sit by my bed every night and say, you know, say prayers with me. Um, and, you know, if you'd wake up in the morning, you'd go by their room, my dad would be on his knees by his bed saying prayers. Wow. And that, that leaves quite an impression yeah, on you. Yeah, totally does. But, you know, being a, a kid, you know, growing up with with older brothers and seeing the stuff they started getting into. It was, you know, the sixties and seventies. So, mm -hmm. you know what everything was about in, in the world. You start saying, you know, maybe I want to try some of this other stuff. You know? <laughs> and like, like everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, but most people kind of, when they get to the teen years, start to rebel against that kind of stuff yeah. and think, you know, this is, this is old fashioned. I don't know why you do this. It's just a bunch of rules and things like that. So you kind of, you kind of just gradually drift away. You know, I always continually would, you know, I'd go to mass every, every, uh, every week and, uh, you know, go to confession a few times a year or whatever. But, you know, it was kind of more like checking off the boxes, yep. you know, yep. and, um, if you, you know, if, if you really dove into it, I was, you know, drifting quite a way. So I was not living the kind of life that I know that I should have been living. When did you, cause now I've only known you since you've, you know, been a very, uh, not only I would say, and I mentioned in the intro, this, a, a, a very sort of interior, you know, you, you know, your interior self so well, but you're also very, and what I love about you, you're unapologetically devout in the, um, in the practice of being Catholic, of going to mass, of going to confession, you know, and which I love. And I feel like sometimes in this day and age, uh, we, we, we are less, not we, not the Royal we, but you run into folks who are less, uh, uh enthusiastic about some of the practices of faith, you know, like they're, they're, they're totally up for saying, Oh, I'm a totally spiritual and I go for these great walks. And I think about Jesus, um, but I don't go to church, you know, and I, and what I love about, about you is, 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 you know, we text each other on holy days and like, oh, whatever. So when did that, when did you come either back or was there a moment, like, was there like an inflection point in your life where you're like, all right, I'm getting back into it. It's, it's really interesting that the journey that, that I've been on and in different ways that God, uh, comes into my life at certain points or with different people. Um, you know, I, I'm growing up in a small town, you know, 60 miles south of Minneapolis here in high school. And, you know, I had lots of friends, you know, and, but you know, as soon as you graduate high school, everybody's going to go off to college and nobody's coming back. There's, there weren't any 20 somethings in town, you know, so you go off to college and you're, you know, I remember thinking, you know, I got to find a job up in the, the metro area because the town I'm living in, the 
guy to, if I want to find a wife, the guy to girl ratio is like <laughs> 10 guys to one girl. You know? <laughs> and if you look at me, I'm not going to have much of a chance. So, <laughs> so you know, I, it's like, I'd be praying, you know, help me find a job up in the cities. And, and here I get a job in, in, in my town, my small town, you know, with the very few <laughs> options for, for dating. But eventually I, I, uh, met my wife and the funny thing is is we went to high school together we graduated together and did not know each other at all we wow. just hung around with with different people i knew who she was but really we just never our paths never crossed so as we're going you know going through dating we end up getting married and uh and then i'm 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 working at the job the the company that i'm currently working at my job moves up to the metro area. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, God, thanks for answering that prayer now because I want to raise my family in this small <laughs> town because it's a much better place to raise my family. Yeah. And, but the funny thing is, so, so it's like, you know, I'm a little, you know, peeved about that. But then. I mean, the prayer was answered. It was yeah, just, it was just answered exactly, in a different way. <laughs> exactly. And, you, and then you don't see the fruits of it until way later and the amazing thing is 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 i one of the people that i commuted with was and he was a a former catholic very uh fundamentalist christian who basically hated the church mm. and you're stuck in a car with this person for two hours every day <laughs> and he's relentless oh my gosh and but the beauty of it was is is what he was doing was making me look at my own faith and telling me why do you believe what you believe and i had no answers for any of this stuff and he would he would just pepper me with things well the bible says this and your church says this and this and that and like, and I look at it, I go, you know, you're right. And I got to the point where I was ready to leave the church. Wow. You know, because it's like I'm looking for the truth, and it seems like this isn't the truth. And I remember my mom handed me a book. I told her about this, and she handed me a book, and it was the book was called "Rome Sweet Home" by Scott Hahn, and he was a uh, Presbyterian minister who was very anti-Catholic for much of his life, but then through certain circumstances, through the the Holy Spirit, he started learning more about it, and he realized, you know, this is what they're saying is true, and it's biblically based, you know. And I was not a big Bible reader, so if anybody would be quoting the Bible to me, it's like, yeah, you're right. I don't, you know, <laughs> gotta take on your word. <laughs> so it's like you better figure out what you believe yeah. and why you believe it. So I read this book and I was just amazed by it, you know, and it, and it started to arm me to understand my faith, and and then I ended up getting a whole series of tapes by that he had written about all these different objections to the church. And I ended up giving those tapes to this person that guy. I was commuting with. And he begrudgingly listened to them. And, you know, he called me into his office one day and he said, uh, you know, I've been listening to those. And, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm going to become 
go back to being Catholic again, but I just wanted to thank you because I had a real hatred for the church and there was a lot of misconception there. So I yeah. wanted to thank you. And it's amazing how that worked out for both of us. Wow. You know, and after a while, our, you know, our paths went in separate ways and I started, um, driving by myself to work two hours every day and you can listen to the radio, you know, you can, you know, waste it two hours. And I just got to a point where I just decided, you know, I'm going to spend this time praying. And then I realized that was the answer to my prayer. God's answer to my prayer. Mm-hmm. I got a job up in the cities. I continue to live in this small town and I drive two hours to and from work and I can spend that time praying. Oh, that's great. That I would never have. Yeah. You can't, I can't cram two hours into my life at home or, you know, mm-hmm. in prayer, but you can in a car because it's just you, yeah. you know. Yeah. So it was an amazing answer, that answer to a prayer that, you know, God knows what's best for us. Mm-hmm. We just, we got to trust him. Yeah. You know, that is such a great, and I love the, I love the, um, sometimes I feel like for me, like I, sometimes I feel like I look for these bits of divine kind of, uh, intervention, like to be big things like, oh my gosh, you know, whatever I came back to life or whatever. And, and like, what I love about what you're saying is, you know, that intervention came through a commute. Like it's just driving. Like yeah. it's, and, and, and just like you say, you're looking at, okay, when am I ever going to have two hours uninterrupted and God he he knew that's what you needed and well there you go yeah. you've got it yeah. so how do you use it like do you listen to like you know, books on tape or like how do you do it i mean or, or is it just quiet you know whole, are you are you the whole morning commute is me praying okay um the same kinds of prayers or is it just kind of like yeah, jazz i have where i just, have i have my set intentions and i say certain certain prayers that i say um and then some of it I've learned is you just got to be quiet and listen for the answer. You know, it's not going to be an audible answer, but you know, inside Mm -hmm. what the answer is. And then, um, probably on my commute home, probably half of it is prayer. And then the other half would be, you know, listen to, uh, relevant radio. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, you know, it's occasionally I, I did, my wife did get me the New Testament on CD, so I've gone through that several times too. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, generally, it's silent, silent prayer. Uh, so. I love that. I love that. It's a, that's that uh, quote from Mother Teresa years ago. Said she was being interviewed by some journalist who was, and was asking her about prayer. You know, what do you say? What do you? How do you pray? What do you? What do you say to God? I don't say anything. I just listen. And he <laughs> says, "Well, what does God say to you?" He didn't say anything. He just listens. Isn't that cool? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. She she has a bunch of she's got a bunch she's got of good a, stuff. She's got some good ones. So so I want to ask about because I think this in the story that you told about commuting with this other gentleman and 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 now the impact that you had on his life. I'm sure if if I were talking to him and asking him this question, he might say you. But who who have been some uh, guy role models in your life? you know, as you think just through specifically about, 
about the, the, the man of faith that you've become. Have, can you point to some guys along the way that, you know, I mean, you mentioned your dad and seeing him pray at night, you know, maybe it's him. Were there other men um, that you could point to to say they were really formational in my faith? Well, I think definitely, definitely my dad. Um, my brother Bill is a, another very devout person and just seeing what he's been willing to give up in his life uh, for God is, is very admirable. You know, I had mentioned, you know, Scott Hahn listening to that. The funny thing is, is my brother, um, through his church, they would have uh, con apologetics conferences. And one of the, one of the weekends, their guest was going to be Scott Hahn. I said, Hey, can I go? <laughs> and he goes, sure. So I go and I listen to him and he goes, you know, I got to take Scott to the airport. You want to come along? Nice. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. So I'm sitting in the backseat and I'm listening to him talk. And it was just <laughs> awesome. And I just, I, I, I got to interrupt you for a second. Scott, I just want to tell you, I was about ready to leave the church. I read your book. It completely changed me. I want to thank you so much. Wow. And he, he was such a humble man. He goes, you know, praise be to God. He says, and this was earlier in his ministry not too many years after he had converted. And he goes, he goes, you know, there's a lot of people that I turned away from the church. And he goes, I'm hoping I'm bringing people back now. And I go, I think you brought wow. thousands more back. What a cool that, story. So it, it, was, it was really cool to end up meeting this guy that was a yeah. huge influence on me. What was, the, what was the name of the book again? Home Sweet Home. Rome Sweet Home. Rome Sweet Home. Okay. Yeah. That's great. He's an extremely intelligent man yeah. uh phds he's a professor at uh, franciscan university in steubenville ohio and he has several books out but yeah. uh yeah just an amazing guy really really smart well, and how cool to get a chance to meet him yeah. i mean and i'm sure yeah. for him too i'm sure he's now had many folks like that say those things but i i, I can only imagine how much that's got to touch his heart you yeah. know to to know that he's touched others that's neat. yeah it's very cool. And then, you know, as life's been going on, you know, the thing that, that I've struggled with is, you know, what am I supposed to be doing with my life or am I doing enough with my life? And, you know, I heard a great quote that it was from a priest who said, if, if you want to live your life for God and live your life for the world, I'll show you somebody who's miserable. And I thought that's exactly it. Mm -hmm. I mean, because I think I, I discussed with you before. I've uh, depression runs in my family, and I've I uh, definitely go through depression. Um, but I found out that there's, to me, there's two different kinds of depression. There's the clinical depression that there's really nothing you can do about it. There's a chemical imbalance. But then there's another depression that I also suffer from. And that's a depression of knowing you're not living exactly how you should live. Mm -hmm. And you, it's, it's this inner depression. And one of the, one of my favorite quotes in the Bible, and people are going to hear this and think, what kind of a favorite quote is that? But Jesus saying, um, Oh, how I wish you were hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Mm -hmm. And it's that just hits you like a ton of bricks, and yeah. and 
it's basically saying lukewarm is like the worst thing you could be. Mm. And I realize I'm lukewarm. You know, I'm not willing to be all in. Why am I not willing to be all in? And, you know, you can go back to when uh, Pope John Paul was elected Pope. The first thing he said was, be not afraid. Mm-hmm. And fear is a, is a killer. I mean, yeah. you're afraid. You're afraid to be all in. I mean, read biographies of saints. I don't want to be skinned alive. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. I don't want my head cut off. Right. Yeah. yeah. But read deeper into those lives you realize that they were the most joyful people and i had realized for so much of my life i didn't have any joy in my life Mm -hmm. you know i'm happily married i love my wife and there's times that i'm happy but i don't have that inner joy Mm -hmm. and i really want that and i just get to the point where i realize i gotta be all in Mm -hmm. you know if i'm not all in i'm never gonna be joyful and i was uh I was listening to a, a, a story on YouTube. It's called uh, All or Nothing. And it's the biography of uh, Sister Claire Crockett. She was a, a girl from Derry, Ireland. And uh, she was a, a really uh, likable kid, really, um, really popular with with everybody and loved to have a good time she wanted to be an actress and she was on her way to becoming an actress and by some mistake she ended up going on a pilgrimage to spain she thought it was just a trip to hang out in the sun but it was actually a pilgrimage (laughs) and she ends up and it's over holy week and she's at mass on good friday and she's sitting in the back on what am i doing here i don't want to be here and yeah. Girl comes up, she goes, Claire, you got to go up and, you know, venerate the cross. She goes, venerate the cross? I don't know what that is. She goes up there and she's standing before the crucifix and she goes down to kiss it and she looks at it and she says, Jesus said to me, or she goes, inside my heart, I knew I did that to him. Mm-hmm. The way I was living my life had nailed him to the cross wow. and it completely changed her life. She ends up becoming um, uh, a nun in order of the servant sisters of the home of the mother, I think it's called, based out of Spain. And just an amazing person. She just used all of her gifts for the glory of God. But her, but her theme was all or nothing. And honestly, <laughs> by the end of it, I was sobbing. Yeah. I was sobbing at the story. She ended up dying in an earthquake in Ecuador while she was uh, working at a school in Ecuador and uh, she was 33 years old and she knew she was going to die young, but she was ready to die young. And I, it touched me so much that I just thought I gotta, I gotta be that way, you know? And that's just within the last year. I just think it's, it is really, um, taking me to a new level spiritually that uh, it, it's the more I give up, the more I receive, I realize. Yeah. I was just going to say, because well, to me, it, the mystery of it and the, and the beauty of it is that it's, it's this, it's this combination of courage because you have to be courageous to do that, to be all in, okay, to be, but yet at the end of the day, it's, it's actually surrender. 
It's, that's what being all in is. It's not actually, ironically, like thinking that you <laughs> are in control of any of it, you know, yeah. and, and deciding I'm all in and jumping off the deep end. It's like, no, it is totally this release and which is harder. You have, you know, you have to humble yourself because if you are not humble, it, God can't work with you. And that's what, you know, you talk about my gifts of being an artist. That's one of the problems I have with being an artist is, is you, artists have egos. They have, <laughs> they have to have egos, yeah, right. you know, they have to take their work seriously and know they're not turning out junk. So you got to overcome that and realize that I'm nothing, <laughs> you know, I re God's everything. everything. I'm nothing. And it's, there's a lot of layers he's got to peel yeah. back. Yeah. I mean, I got 50 years of layers he's got to peel back. <laughs> so I, I don't think I'm going to be dying young because yeah, he's right. got a long way yeah, to go right. with me. So yeah. Well, and the shortcut, the shortcut that I find is with that same, that same you know humility that we need to live with. And then how do you reconcile the gifts that you've been given with humility is that, you know, in, um, in all things, God is glorified. Like that's the point of the gift. It's, yeah. it's actually not to sell another widget or to, you know, make somebody go, Hey, he's really good. It's actually, it's, it's so then when they say, gosh, you are really good. I said, thanks be to God. Yeah. That's it. And I love it when guys and gals are so natural. Like I never think that, you know, when somebody gives me a compliment, I wish my, the first words out of my mouth were just something as easy as thanks be to God. Cause I know people yeah. that it is and that that's cause that's what that's, that's all it is. Yeah. Part of it's an ego boost and part of it is just, you, you kind of feel I'm not worthy of you know. Mm -hmm. right. don't, don't say the nice thing <laughs> exactly. about me, you know. But deep down, it's like, yeah, yeah, thanks. Exactly. I like that. It really, really jacks for me those up, of you know? us cursed with uh, words of affirmation, love language. It's just horrible. So, all right. Well, hey, we are, we are. Um, gosh, we could talk all all day, um, but we are to the fun segment of the show of the big show. So this is the. Uh, for those that maybe are just tuning in, this is the uh, uh, regular segment of the show. We ask three of the same questions of every guest. They know them in advance, and so uh, so be prepared to be dazzled by some great answers uh, from George here on on our three fun segment questions. So, question number one uh, is if uh, if Jesus uh, himself knocked on your door down in your in your uh, idyllic uh, hometown, small town there an hour away, and just wanted to hang out for the day, what would you do with him? Um, I got two different ways of answering this. I was, I was you had uh, a guest on last week when I was listening to it, and I know he's a really good golfer. I was thinking, would you ask him to go out and play around the golf? Because, <laughs> I mean, think about it. He'd read putts perfectly for you. <laughs> you know, it's, his drives are 400 yards. He'd score an 18, a hole in one on every hole. <laughs> but, you know, then I think about it, you know, you think about the story of uh, Mary and Martha, where Jesus comes to their house and uh, Mary sits at his feet and Martha's doing, no, Martha's sitting at the, uh, one of the Martha's other. working, Mary's yes. at the feet. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And Martha complains to Jesus, you know, tell her, you know, to help me with this. And, and he just says, she's chosen the better, the better thing. So I would just sit at his feet and listen to him talk, yeah. you know, come on into the house. Let me just sit down and listen to you. Yeah. I think that would be, that would be awesome. That would go by so fast, so fast. All right. Question number two, if you could go to church with any other guy, uh, living or dead, 
Um, and it can be someone that you know or don't know, famous or not famous. Who would that Who would that guy be? Now, I thought about this for a while, and then the name that came to me was Saint Padre Pio, because if you if you read his biography, he had these supernatural abilities to see the supernatural world. And if I could sit at mass with him and just have him explain to me what he's seeing, mm. he's seeing the church opened up to heaven and heaven coming down on the church mm. and, and him describing these angels going back and forth and the community of saints, you know, participating in the mass how cool would that be? <laughs> yeah, you right, know, right, right. it'd it take the mass to a whole new level. Totally, you know, yeah. I got it. You know, funny you mentioned him and you mentioned relevant radio earlier. Cause I feel like they talk about, um, St. Padre Pio a lot and I don't know anything about him. I gotta, I gotta read up on him. Ama- amazing guy. Uh, Capuchin. Uh, I think that's the name of it. A monk from Italy. Okay. And, uh, he had the stigmata for 50 years. So all the wounds of all the wounds of Christ, but he had he he's known to have sat in the confessional for like eighteen hours a day and just heard confessions, and he knew what people's sins were before they came in. Wow! And he would chastise people for not mentioning their sins. He knew them, and he'd tell them to get out until you're ready to come and get a, give a good confession. Wow! And That's deep. <laughs> He had he had the ability to bilocate, which is documented where he would be in two places at the same time. Wow. And it's documented. That's wild. He was able to heal people. There was a woman who had a sick child. She was on a train and uh to see him and, and uh the child ended up dying and she still brought him to him and he just said the child's sleeping and the child came back to life. Wow. You know, I mean, just amazing, humble man, but just, he was so close to Christ that it was about as close as a human being can get or a copy of Christ walking on earth. Wow. You know, just an amazing guy. Worth, definitely worth reading about. Definitely. I just, and I just love, I love our saints. I love the fact that we've got saints that we can read about and, you know, because and obviously that's the beauty of of, of our faith and with Jesus Himself being walking amongst all of us sinners and fallen people. But but the saints, I shouldn't say, but the saints and the saints are another great example of like being able to actually pers- like personify or have a the, you know translate grace, translate you know miracles through people, actual people. You know, mm-hmm. I just think it's such a beautiful aspect of our faith you know the 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 amazing thing about saints too is is they they considered themselves to be the greatest sinners Mm -hmm. and the only reason and you'd look at them and think i don't even think you sin you know compared (laughs) to me you know it's because they know god and they know how perfect god is and they know how far short they are from god so they can recognize their impure their impurities that's what makes them holy, you know, it, just amazing people. Yeah. So Great role models. All right, last question. Uh, if you could give some advice to, uh, to a younger man, so a, a teenager, and, and as I mentioned at the, at the intro, you've had a, you've had a, a great 
career and had a lot of chances to actually interact with, with, you know, high schoolers and such, you know, so maybe you've already done this, but what, what kind of advice would you give, um, a young, a young man, you know, teenager who just about being comfortable in, in their faith, being comfortable thinking about it, exploring it, standing up for it, you know, uh, at times, what kind of advice would you give them? I would say, take a look around the world right now at what's going on and ask yourself, is that going to make me happy? Mm. You know? And I think you'll find your answer probably is no. And, you know, you need to understand that we're not here by accident. You know, we're not, we're not a mistake. Um, you were chosen the moment you were conceived by God to do something special. And the only way you're truly going to be happy is to figure out what that is. And like I said before, don't be lukewarm, go all in because yeah. lukewarm isn't going to cut it. So that's great. George Rashavi, thank you so much. You bet, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.